Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. morning, South Valley, and welcome. We want to encourage you to worship the Lord wherever you are. So as you're watching this, let your home become a place of worship. Come to your feet, put your hands together, raise your voices, and let everybody in your neighborhood know that church is happening in your home. Give God some praise. Come on. Your voice can make the darkness turn to light. hopeless heart to life you speak and mountains tremble the earth and sun stand still no one can comprehend your endless might and who am I that you would find me here the maker of the heavens knows my name Author of the oceans gave me praise. And my soul, my soul, sing your praise. Come on, Almighty God, Almighty God. That's right. Your touch can set the weary cat. take these words. I want you to lift them up to the Lord and give God praise for what he has done. He provided his son as a sacrifice for each and every one of us, saving us through his sacrifice, through his grace. And these words proclaim that. So let's give God some praise. Come on, church. Who am I that you would find me here? Every voice. Who am I that you would find me here? Amen. Who am I that love would draw me near? And who am I? And who am I that you would die to save a broken soul like mine?
God is worthy of praise. Come on.
up, Lord, my God, you reign forever and ever. God, you reign one more time. Father, Lord, we exalt you. We come before you and proclaim your glory. Lord, you reign over all things, and you are a God who works on our behalf. Lord, as we gather this morning, wherever we are, we pray that we would be reminded of that, that you are the God of constant. You are the God of the universe. You are the God who never changes. And even though our world may change, our environments may change, our circumstances may change. You remain the same. And when we know you, there is hope and there's peace in that. Help us to hold on to that. Lord, I pray for every heart who is seeing this, that you would draw them to you. Whatever they're dealing with, Lord, you would speak to their heart and remind them that I am God and I have you. And maybe there's someone who's watching right now maybe doesn't even understand how much they're loved by the God of the universe. But he sent his son, his one and only son, to die on a cross so that you could have a relationship with him. I pray for those hearts that they would feel that tugging that only can come from you and that they would submit to it and bow their knee and their heart to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We pray for a day of change, Lord. We pray for your word that's about to be spoken, that we would take it in and our wills would be lined with yours and we would hear what you have to say this morning. Cast out all distractions. Let this be your time. And we thank you for an opportunity to praise you wherever we are. All honor and glory go to you. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, good morning, South Valley. Thomas Curtis here. On behalf of our pastoral search team, I would like to take a moment and update you on where we are in the process. Right now, we are in the very final stages of calling a pastor here to South Valley. So we are being prayerful and diligent in everything we're doing, making sure our T's are crossed and our I's are dotted. So thank you guys so much for your love, support, and prayers. Thank you for your patience. I know this has been a process, and we are making sure um, that we're seeking God's will and who he's calling here uh, to be our next pastor at South Valley. So please keep it in prayer again. Um, thank you so much for tuning in online. We love you. We support you. We miss you. Please stay healthy uh, and stay safe. Have a blessed and amazing day, South Valley. Thank you so much. South Valley, good morning. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. If this is your first time with us, we want to especially welcome you and thank you for taking time out of your day to hang out with us. We would absolutely love it if you wouldn't mind filling out our online communication card. We'll put the link to that here on the video. And that form allows us as a staff the opportunity to reach out to you and answer any questions that you might have, to pray for you, and just to be a resource for you. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be awesome. Now for all of y'all, we probably have all heard now that we are now indoors, y'all. We are indoors for our services. We had to make a really hard transition very quickly 
with the weather forecast that we had this weekend, with rain coming in this weekend, the staff, we just got together, we were praying, we were discussing, and we just felt led to go ahead and make that transition since we were already planning to do that on the 29th anyway. So we are indoors on Sunday mornings for a limited capacity of 100 people, two services that we're offering on Sunday. So 100 people each service, one at 9 o'clock in the morning and one at 10.30 in the morning. Again, 100 people. Children's ministry will only be available for one of those services, and that will be for the 10.30 a.m. service. So the 9 a.m. will not have children's ministry, but the 10.30 a.m. will. Now, for those services, you will not have to reserve tickets or anything like that ahead of time. It's at a first-come, first-served basis. Again, that number is 100 people per service that will be able to host in the worship center for both of those services. Now, with all safety protocols still in place, we kindly ask that you uh, make sure to take care of masks and safe hand hygiene, social distancing, all of this, you guys, is just in an effort to, again, be good citizens and to love our neighbors well during this time that we're in. So we are excited to make that transition indoors, everybody. And that's going to maintain through the 22nd of November. And then our hope is on the 29th of November that we would be in that orange tier. So where we are currently, this current tier only allows us to have 100 people. But if we transition to that orange tier, that allows more people in. And so that's what we're working with right now, you guys. And we are super excited to make that transition. We know that there's a lot that's happening in the midst of all of that and a lot of things that we need to work through in order to get things working. But by the 29th, we're hoping to be able to have more people in service indoors. And then we're also um, working toward getting our live stream up and running on the 29th. Until then, our online services, as you're watching right now, will be available every Sunday through the 22nd at 8 a.m. on Facebook, on YouTube, and on our Vimeo accounts. And so we just wanted to make sure that you guys were all aware of that. We appreciate your grace as we work through all of this and have been working through all of this. You guys have just been such a blessing and so understanding as we wade through this. Our deepest desires is that people come to know and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we want to make sure that we do so in a way that is safe right now, in a way that is meaningful and helpful. So that all said, you guys, we're going to proceed to the rest of the service. Just as a reminder, uh, you can still give if you're uh, continuing your offering. We are available on that through the Church Center app, or you can go online, svcclamore.org, and click Donate at the top, or you can bring your offering to the church office right through the safe, secure slot on the office door. So you guys, thank you so much. We praise the Lord for you, and we are praying that as you continue in your walk with Jesus Christ, that you feel his nearness, you feel his, his, his love, his compassion for you, his desire for you, his will for you, and that as you lean into him each and every day, that you come to know more of the person of Jesus and become more of who it is that he intends you to be. You guys all have a wonderful morning. We love you, and we'll catch you soon. Bye now. Hello, everyone. Grace to you. Peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you're ready to study God's Word. If you have a Bible handy, you're going to want to find the Old Testament book of Haggai. We're going to spend a, a little bit of time there today. A number of years ago, it actually seemed like a lifetime ago, when our children were very small, Teresa and I used to occasionally make the trip to Los Banos, visit some friends up there and, and just enjoy a weekend away. But as we would go down 198, we crossed over that California aqueduct. Well, my son, who was at the time probably five, um, six at the most, he was intrigued by that canal. 
And he always asked questions when we would pass over it. But one day he asked one of the greatest questions he ever asked, really a deep theological question. As we crossed over the aqueduct, my, my son, he said, Daddy, is Jesus big enough to stand up in the aqueduct? Well, I drew upon my keen theological mind. I waxed eloquent and I told my son, yes. Yes, he can. Um, I, I can support my answer. Yes, Jesus can do that. The, the book of Isaiah chapter 40 and, and verse 12, speaking of God, it says this, that God has measured the water. Speaking of the, the oceans, he's measured them in the hollow of his hand and the heavens he's measured with a span. Pretty big God. So I felt like my answer to my son's question was at least biblically based. I want to talk today and the next time that we're together uh, on the subject of how big is God. Don't, don't think for a moment that there's any possibility that I'm going to be able to answer that question because the question as you know, is unanswerable because God is immeasurable. God is infinite. God is limitless. I mean, when we speak of the peace of God, we speak of the peace of God that passes understanding. When we speak of the love of God, we, the Bible says that the love of God is past knowing. Paul said this in Romans Chapter 11, verse 33, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments, and His ways are past finding out. It is true that we will never fathom God, but it is also true that you can find God. You can never fathom God because of His greatness, but you can find God because of His grace. If you have your Bibles open to Haggai, chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verse 5, and then we're going to jump over into chapter 2. But look at verse 5 with me. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now, in verse 5, that is the second time in this book that the Lord is referred to as the Lord of hosts. Interestingly, in two chapters of Haggai, he is called the Lord of hosts 14 times. It's a significant title. One of the most wonderful ways that God is revealed to us is by a, the special name that he has given himself, and that is the Lord of of hosts. Now the scholars tell us that this is translated from the phrase the Lord Sabaoth. It literally means the Lord Almighty. As a matter of fact, if you have the New International Version in front of you, it actually is translated that way in verse 5. It just simply speaks of the greatness of God, the bigness of God, the grandeur of God. We've been singing about that this morning. 
When we think about the Lord of hosts or the Lord Sabaoth, we're thinking about His mighty power. We're thinking about His, His greatness, how big He is. Now, just to give you a little bit of the context of Haggai, just as in the days with Moses, when the people of God had been set free from Egyptian bondage, their priority was to go out of Egypt into the wilderness and there they would worship. Well, once again, the people in Haggai's day had been set free, this time from Babylonian captivity, and they were to come back to Jerusalem and they were to build the temple, or rebuild, I should say, the temple. Priority was to be their, or the priority was to be worship. And they started to rebuild, and they made some progress, but after a period of time, they began to lose their sense of priorities, and they kind of began to be preoccupied with their own lives and with their own well-being. And eventually the work on the temple stopped. It wasn't because their hands had become weakened. It was because their hearts had wandered. Just like those in Haggai's day. Sometimes we need to be reminded of just how great, how big, how wonderful our God is. And He is worthy of our worship as a priority in our lives. About a month ago in our Tuesday morning men's prayer time, one of the men always brings a, a little Bluetooth speaker and we, we play a song of his choosing. He brings it uh, and, and we just listen to it. We sing it. Well, the other, the other day he brought uh, a handwritten uh, photocopied notes of a song that was 500 years old written by Martin Luther. Some of you have sang it many times. It's called A Mighty Fortress is our God. And we sang that one Tuesday morning here recently as worship to our God before we prayed. But the words of that song are, are tremendous and they just ring true today just as they did when Martin Luther wrote them some 500 years ago. Listen, listen to part of that song. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Don't ask who that might be. Christ Jesus, it is He, Lord Sabaoth, His name, from age to age the same, and He must win the battle. Great words. Martin Luther understood the greatness, the majesty, the grandeur, the bigness of God. There was another man in the Bible, actually a, a young boy by the name of David in his teenage years. He understood the Lord of hosts, the Lord Sabaoth. He understood that term when he faced a man by the name of Goliath. Goliath was standing there over nine feet tall, fully dressed in his bronze armor. And young David, the shepherd boy, comes against him with five smooth stones and a sling. And David looks at Goliath and he says this, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. I come to you in the name, here it is, of the Lord 
of hosts, the Lord Sabaoth. You see, David had an understanding of God that we need to have. David knew that God was, in fact, almighty God. Do you know why everybody in David's day was afraid of Goliath? They all stood there and trembled. Do you know why they were afraid? Because they were looking at Goliath and thinking, look at how much bigger he is than we are. But David looked at him and said, look how much smaller he is than God. You see, David knew the Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, and he knew that he was Almighty God. While others were saying, Goliath is too big to hit, David was saying, he's too big to miss. And David went forth in the power of the Lord of hosts. Now in Haggai, there are three things about the Lord of hosts that we're going to look at. Now, folks, there's a myriad of things we could learn about the Lord Almighty. But I'm going to stick with just a few because I don't have, but a, I don't have a myriad of minutes to, to meet, bring this message. But Haggai tells us three things about the Lord Almighty. Of hosts, the Lord Sabaoth, the Lord God Almighty. And actually, this, this time we're only going to take and look at one of those things. And first of all, is that He is the, the Lord of hosts, He is the Lord of, of the heavenly host, He is God of the heavens. We see this phrase, the Lord of hosts, in chapter 2 again. Look at verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land. And then drop down to verse 21. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. God is the Lord of the heavens. He's the Lord of the earth, the Lord of the seas, the, the Lord of all the material universe. Why? Because he created it. Psalm 33, verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Folks, there was no big bang. Everything exists because of a big God. It's like Isaiah said, He weighs out the waters of the oceans in the hollow of His hand, and He measures the heavens with a span. God is great. God is big. God spoke, and so it was. He created it, therefore, He controls it. We have a little solar system that we live in, right? You remember fourth grade science? Let's have a review of fourth grade science. We have a very little solar system consisting of nine planets. These nine planets have something like 28 moons. And this is one little tiny corner of our immediate solar system, right? And there are just these... Planets that orbit around our particular sun, which is 93 million miles away. And this is just a speck in God's great universe. And this earth is just a speck in our solar system. We are a very small planet compared to some of the other planets. Jupiter, for example, is 1,300 times bigger than planet Earth. Earth really is quite small. And we're just a small part of this solar system. You look at the Milky Way, 
uh, galaxy and all of the billions of stars, uh, and some of them are so big, they, they tell us that there are three, some of them are 300 million miles across. That's three times further than it is from the earth to our sun. It's mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. One scientist I read trying to help us understand just how great, how big this universe is said, quote, there are more known suns in our universe than there are grains of sand on all of the seashores of all of the earth. Now, I don't know how he came up with that. I never saw anybody counting the grains of sand, but I suppose a scientist could say that. There's no way to disprove it. And folks, that's just our galaxy. That's just our galaxy. There's another galaxy that we can see with the naked eye, Andromeda. We're told there are billions of galaxies with billions and billions of stars. It, pretty soon it just becomes mind-boggling. You can't even grasp the expanse. And it says that God has measured that with the span of his hand. God is in control of all of that. But when you consider the vastness of God, and then you come down and you start considering the small things, the very hairs of our head are numbered, not a sparrow falls to the ground, but what he doesn't notice it. Folks, it's just mind-boggling to think of the greatness of our God. God created the universe, and he controls the universe. And from what Haggai tells us is that he is going to come someday, and he's going to consummate the universe. Verse 6 of Haggai 2, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, and I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. To put it another way, there's coming a shakedown. The so-called stable universe, these things that we depend on, these things that we're used to always moving in a certain and in a precise order, are someday going to be shaken. Literally shaken. This God who stretched out the heavens like a curtain, someday is going to roll them up like a scroll, the Bible says. The earth and the stars all in their mighty courses someday are going to be shaken. Why is that shakedown coming? Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer actually quotes this passage out of the Old Testament book of Haggai, and he gives us some insight as to why this shakedown is coming Hebrews 12, verse 26 and 27, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. As of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Now what is he saying? The things that people are counting on, your health, your wealth, your national citizenship, all of the things that we think are stable, that we build our lives on, someday are going to be shaken. So I need to ask a question at this point. Have you got something that can't be shaken? 
Folks, one man put it this way, everything that is not nailed down with a nail of grace and with the hammer of God's word is going to be shaken out of place by his judgment. If you don't have Christ in your life, everything you have can be shaken. Jesus is the solid rock that we build our lives on. Our anchor, the solidity of our eternity is bound to Christ Jesus. Everything else can fall apart in my world, but my relationship with Jesus Christ can't be shaken. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, then today you need to bow the knee and invite Him into your life. In a literal sense, one of these days God is going to shake this earth violently through earthquakes. Now, He shakes our lives periodically with, with things that happen in our world. So that would be metaphorically speaking. He shakes our lives. But I want you to know, someday He's going to start shaking this planet. Jesus said this, His disciples had asked Him, Lord, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus begins to tell them some of the things that will transpire prior to His coming kingdom. And He said this in Matthew 24, verse 6. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines and pestilence. By the way, that word could be translated plagues. And there are going to be earthquakes in various places. And then he says this, all of these things are only the beginning of sorrows. The word, it, it means travails. It's a word that would be used of a woman who goes through birth pangs right before she gives birth. And women, you know, when you have birth pangs, they start out, small and far apart, but the closer it comes to the time of birth, they get more severe and they come with increasing frequency. And that's what Jesus is saying. Do you know what? I believe God has already started. I believe He's already started this shakedown. Fully convinced of that. Data compiled by the United States government's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administrations I read this week shows that a number of earthquakes per year has seen significant variation, but the overall trend, they said, shows an increasing frequency. The National Earthquake Information Center, the NEIC, records an average of 20,000 earthquakes around the world every year. About 50 a day. I read an article this week entitled, The Rising Number of Earthquakes in 2020. And it wasn't a Christian article. Matter of fact, it wasn't even an American article. It was, it was uh, from some other place on the globe. I just came across it on the internet and read it. It was fascinating. Folks, you're going to find out that God at times has used earthquakes as sort of an exclamation point. You're going to find that at times God has used earthquakes as, as His own alarm clock. He wants to wake us up. He wants to jolt the world. He sometimes uses an earthquake. He, it's His way of saying, listen, pay attention. I'm going to shake things up. 
As a matter of fact, if you study the history of what God has done in the world, every great thing God has done, He's accompanied it with an earthquake. When Moses received the Ten Commandments, there was an earthquake. Psalm 68, verse 8. When Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake. When Jesus rose from the grave, there was an earthquake. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, there was an earthquake. The Bible says in Ezekiel 38, someday Russia is going to make league with some nations in the Middle East to come against Israel. And there's going to be a great shaking in the land, Ezekiel 38, 19 says. An earthquake. And folks, when Jesus comes back again, the second coming, His feet touch down on the Mount of Olives. Zechariah tells us, Zechariah 14, His feet come and touch back down on the Mount of Olives and there's going to be a great earthquake and the Mount of Olives, the Bible says, is going to split in two. It's God's alarm clock. It's God's way of getting our attention. You're going to find out that God's alarm clock are earthquakes. It's His way of saying, listen up, pay attention. The time is coming, He says, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, and I am going to shake it so badly, so greatly, that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, so that those things that cannot be shaken will remain. And I ask you again, do you have what you need in your life that can't be shaken? If you don't, you need to trust Jesus Christ today, without fail, without hesitancy, right now. You need to invite Him into your life. A man by the name of Dr. Don Anderson, he was a geophysics professor at California Tech, a director of the seismological laboratory for over 20 years at that school. Before he died at the age of 81 in 2015, he he said something I thought was interesting, and I quote, We can look for more earthquakes, and they're sure to come, of devastating proportions, cataclysmic proportions, And then he goes on to say, there are two things that cause it. He says, number one, there is a slowing down of the rotation of the earth. And he says that the earth has been slowing down. It's been slowing down, he says, at a rate of one one thousandth of a second every day. Well, when I read that, I go, really? I've never heard about that. So I did like you guys would do. I Googled it. And I was blown away how much information there is out there that corroborates what he is saying. The earth is slowing down. And I thought it was just me. Well, apparently the earth is slowing down too. But he goes on to say, there is something else scientists have noticed. And that is the wobble from the North Pole to the South Pole. And they have noticed now that the greater the wobble, the greater the earthquakes, the more frequent the earthquakes. And the North Pole and the South Pole are wobbling, he says, as, as is, they're wobbling as much as 15 feet. Interesting. That means that the earth is starting to do this. It's, it's starting to wobble in its axis. That reminded me when I read that, and I don't, I don't know that the man was a believer. I don't think that he was. He was just a scientist, a professor, looking at these things. But it sounded a whole lot like 
what Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah 24, 19 and 20. Look at this passage. The earth is violently broken. The earth is split open. The earth is shaken exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall totter like a hut. Its transgressions shall be heavy upon it and it will fall and not rise again. God says, look, now, listen, I'm going to shake this thing up. There's coming a shakedown. And interestingly, read that this week as well, in the 14th century, they had begun to measure earthquakes. 137 major earthquakes were recorded in the 14th century. In the 15th century, 174 major earthquakes were recorded. In the 16th century, 253 major earthquakes were recorded, and so on. You come up to the 20th century, there were 2,250 major earthquakes during the 1900s. Do you see an increase? Do you see a pattern? Even scientists corroborate that. God is shaking things up. He's thinking things up. Everything that cannot be shaken will remain. So now you might ask, so what? Why are you giving us all this science? Why did we get a review of fourth grade science? Well, go back to chapter 1 and verse 5 of Haggai. And I just want to focus on the last three words of that verse. They're very important. Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, that is the Lord Almighty, consider your ways. I suggest that you don't take lightly God's exclamation point. He's shaking things up, not just with earthquakes, but he's shaking things up politically around the globe. He is shaking things up like never before. And Jesus said, when you see these things happening, just know this, it's like the birth pains. They're going to increase in intensity and in frequency. So you need to consider your ways. If you're living for yourself, you're not ready when things start shaking. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then your life is built on the unshakable foundation of God. And my challenge to you listening, will you entrust your life to Jesus Christ? Or will you harden your heart and say, what a fool that man is telling me about earthquakes in a sermon? I'm telling you, History shows God uses the shakedowns to warn people to consider their ways. And you need to do that if you don't have Christ in your life. Father God, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, for those listening to this, that right now they would consider Christ. Consider the ways that they're going. And that they would make that life-changing, eternal decision to invite Christ Jesus to be Lord of their life. Father God, only you can save a soul. We simply offer the opportunity to everyone hearing this message for them to trust the great and powerful God who loves them, sent his son to die on a cross to pay the penalty of their sin. And all they need to do is receive him by faith, trusting his death 
as full payment for their sinfulness. May some today listening to this message find Jesus Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In a few weeks, we're going to come back and look at the other two things that Haggai connects with the Lord of hosts. May the Lord bless you. Have a good and godly week. Take care.